It is Locked on Jazz for the, what are we, 16th of December. Of course you hire Danny Ainge as your CEO of Jazz Basketball. Donovan Mitchell, where's he going? What's he doing? How good is he? And the Jazz offense just has an answer no matter what question you throw at it. We're talking about it all coming up on another edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. And if you're listening on YouTube, you can hit that button right there. Subscribe, hit the bell. You'll be notified whenever a new episode is up. Like yesterday, we did the breaking news episode on Danny Ainge or Postcast after games, or just good old regular locked on jazz. Good morning to Andrew and Lee and Richard and Skyler and Tyler and James and Ray, who've all stopped by. I saw Ray in person, real life communication the other day, and then she disappeared. Then she was gone. She was there. Ron and I were doing our Instagram before the game. Uh, By the way, quick question. I don't know how many people are watching that. Um, Ron and I, an hour before every game, I was debating whether we should move that to like Twitter spaces or some other spot. Um, and there's some content things we could do to make that program better. But if anyone had any thoughts on that, um, the live audience on Insta is not huge. And so I was wondering if there was a better way, better thing for us to do with that than, um, on Insta. So just thinking anyway, um, thanks very much for tuning in, uh, Oh, Ray said she went to say hi to Bowler and Thurl, and then you know I got it. Oh my gosh, I've got to tell the funniest story last night. All right, we're on a we're on a trip already. We got a lot of things to real talk about. Um, so last night, this is so funny. Um, I don't know if this is going to come across as as funny as it was. So Ron and I are sitting there at our broadcast site. We just kind of stepped out, and this woman, pretty elegant woman, um. In really like elegant, nice clothes, seeming, you know, probably uh, this is, you know, never guess, but I'd guess, you know, if I'm going to be polite, like mid forties, maybe 50, um, which is just fine, of course. And um, she like runs across the bowl to us. She's like from three sections over, she runs over toward Ron. And I'm like thinking, okay, this is someone who wants to see Ron. And she looks at us, she says, do you guys know that Thurl Bailey is out there? Do you know that Thurl Bailey is right? I just met Thurl Bailey. Thurl Bailey is out there. And um, and Ron and I like, don't really know what to say because she clearly has no idea who either of us are, which is totally fine. But we're like, so we play along because she's got so much juice and so much energy and she's so excited. So we're like, no, really, where? So she's like telling us with all this seriousness, my gosh, it's amazing. Throw Bailey. I mean, I remember I was at that game and NC state and she's like, she's nuts. She's and, and, and then I said, well, did you get a picture with him? And then she kind of gives me this like hoity toity, like I'm from New York. 
we don't take pictures with people. And so now I'm going to start stereotyping because, and then she turns out to be super sweet. We talked to her after. So now I have this vision of this like upper class New Yorker who's moved to Utah, maybe pre-pandemic, maybe not, who is like, you know, every societal norm that you're supposed to have. And yet Thurl Bailey has busted her out of her shell and she's sprinting across the bowl to us. So she ends up seated like three rows below us. So we tell Thurl the story and then Thurl ends up walking up and standing right behind her and then taps her on the shoulder and she turns around and she's like, Anyway, super fun from the game last night. Let's get to the real stuff. Uh, if you've got a chance to hire Danny Ainge, you do it. Like, I, I, I admire that people made this a discussion yesterday. Um, and, I, and I think it's fair. And I, and I really respect the people who were, try, who were being um, very, very respectful to Justin Zanuck. And, you know, he's done amazing work. And his career has kind of taken him on funny little things where he was in Milwaukee. And then, it, and, and then somehow that didn't quite work out. And he came back. And he's been just a part of so much winning. And... You know, if you feel that this somehow discredits him, then I 100% respect the opinion that in some ways this this is unfair. But what we have is a guy who's got 13 years of NBA player experience, five years of head coaching experience, 18 years of general manager experience, who is one of the greatest athletes really ever. Remember, he played professional baseball and professional basketball, which Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, and Danny Ainge. Um, And he's... Moved to Utah to be around his family, and he has an inkling to get back in the game. And he has this, and he's won a title. Who is a player? One is an executive. He, uh, my favorite thing about his track record is how much he seems to respect coaches, um, and probably because he was a head coach. I mean, I think you know we've seen Steve Kerr go the other way, where you've seen the the GM become a head coach, but. Danny Ainge is particularly interesting because he went from a head coach to a GM. And I think you see a guy who you know, really shows the ability, the understanding, and, and also a guy who's, frankly, his playing career strand everything, both as a professional baseball player where he was up and down a bit. And so he understood being a, a star his most of his life into a journeyman and how you revolve from an NBA player where he starts his career fairly mundanely as a 15, 20 minute night player in Boston. And then suddenly is playing 35 minutes a game on a championship team, scoring 17 points a game. Um, at one point in his, in his career, he's, I think he averaged 20 a game in Sacramento. And then at the end of his career, he hangs on in Phoenix as now a role player again. So you've got this guy who's in town, who has done everything. And I think therefore has amazing respect at least his track record to me looks like he has amazing respect for everybody in this regard. And what I was going to say is the thing that I'm I'm kind of most impressed in regards to his career is what he seems to have is respect for coaches, right? He hires doc rivers as the head coach of in April of 2004 of the Boston Celtics and doc rivers leaves really to go to the LA Clippers at the next stage that I, my memory on it is that, you know, it's Doc Rivers that's driving that as much as anyone. And so you then, they, if I remember correctly, they trade Doc Rivers in 2013. And then Brad Stevens is the head coach from 2013 until his run. Like I, the, the thing that has been a signature of the Utah Jazz franchise for all these years has been stability. There might not be 
an individual in the NBA who more characterized the respect for coaches and that stability than Danny Ainge. Really, I think a very important aspect. We'll, we'll talk. He's got two of the greatest trades of all time, right? He got Kevin Garnett from Minnesota, coupled with the Ray Allen for Jeff Green, and he builds a championship. It's one of the great sequences of deals of all time. And then he has maybe the single greatest trade of all time, other than Dirk Nowitzki for Robert Tractor Trailer, which is the policing of the Brooklyn Nets when Kevin Garnett and um, Paul Pierce are on their last leg. And what Nevers talked about, they get Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That actual last pick is Colin Sexton, who they actually use as part of getting Kyrie Irving. So, I mean, you, you, so I have, like, let's just go just fundamentals here. I have this guy in town. I'm the owner of the team. I'm not, but like, go with it. Um, who I have a relationship with this guy. He's in town. He has this incredible track record. It's, hey, he's missed draft picks. He missed a trade. He didn't make a trade here or there. Oh, oh fine. It's a hard job. It's not perfect. He's not flawless. But he's got the one of the truly unique resumes of all time. He's got a track record of success. He's got a title. He's been in the, and he wants to work. And he wants to be a part of your organization. Now we're good. Mm-mm. That's not the answer. Brains in the building is the answer. How do I put more brains in the building? How do I, there's an answer, there's a thought, some people, do they have too many chefs in the kitchen? Then that's on the chefs. If you have multiple brains in the building and you can't put it together right, you've got the wrong chefs. You've got selfish chefs. I don't think they have selfish chefs. I don't think Ryan's selfish. I don't think Justin's selfish. I don't think Danny's selfish. I don't know Danny. The track record would show that if he was, that you, frankly, the treatment of Doc Rivers and Brad Stevens tells me he's not. It's really, I think, a wildly important thing when I look at Danny Ainge's work more than more than anything else. One quote he made at the presser yesterday jumps out to me, and that that quote that he made, and I'm going to not have it exactly right because I was suddenly typing it very quickly. Your job is to make sure that you know the real reasons for success and failure, not decisions based on emotions of despair. And I think he said in, you know, exaltation or something. Like, you need to know the real reasons. His track record in Boston shows me an individual who had a belief, made decisions, and held to those beliefs. There wasn't willy-nilly pick and grab. There wasn't, here's my coach for one year, and then I'm going to go to another guy for two years, and I'm going to hire this guy, and then I'm going to give him an extension, and wish I didn't, and then that, like, I think that that's, you're seeing a tracker. One of the criticisms of him is, well, he never pulled that big next deal. Well, clearly his belief was that if he was going to make a trade and change things, he was getting something in return that was significant. So his track record is, is, is really exemplary. He's got a title. He's rebuilt a franchise. They won a tremendous amount. And I think you're seeing a pattern of behavior of consistency that is what the script is by which you have success in this league or gives you the best chance to have success in this league. So We'll talk about it. There's some more to it. I'll, I'll take some questions. I do want to get to Donovan. He was unbelievable. There's so much stuff. I mean, we can kind of, this is a multiple day topic. We'll talk some more about Danny tomorrow and 
probably some other things and get ready for San Antonio. I think we play um, tomorrow, but really biggest picture, 40 years of experience, unique resume, track record of success, track record that matches who the organization is available and in town. Let's go. For me, seems pretty simple. From another standpoint is, we can't, you know, if we're really honest, we all knew this was coming. It was obvious, right? Danny had resigned from Boston. He's the most competitive person in the world, everybody says. He wasn't really retiring. Like, it's not who he is. Um, Ryan Smith bought the team. Ryan and the, Angel, the Smiths and the Angels are super close. Like, it's happening. And I think it's great that it just happened now. It eliminated, there was this kind of little aura of like, well, when's Ainge taking over? Okay, great. It's over. Good. Let's go. I think that's absolutely fabulous. But that, that we've made that progression. We now know he's involved. He and Justin are making moves. And this next move is simply the hardest move there is to make. I mean, you have enough guts to move a Joe or a Boyan when this team's rolling because you really think it's that piece that gets you to championship. At least you got a guy in the room who's now done it. I'm not saying I don't think Justin could have done it. I'm not saying that. Don't misunderstand me. But you now have another voice. I'll also share this with you. And I think any of you that have been in this position, and hopefully sometimes I have a unique perspective because of this wonderful experience I've had with Locked On. I have to make the decisions. Like I'm the CEO, the president, really hard. Really, really hard. Every day is hard of like, when are you just overriding the group and making a decision? When are you bringing consensus together? If you have a decision, do you think it's right? Like it's really hard. And you think about it all the time, having another voice in the room. And so that's where Justin was. And for Ryan, having another voice in the room that just might ease that a little bit and allow you to go through the process and think better and more clearly with less stress, incredible asset. All right, I'll take some of your thoughts. Um, I really want to talk about Donovan and how great they were, but I think this is a far bigger story, certainly. Um, and understand that that is really where we should be focusing today instead of running through our quarters of, of numbers. We'll try to do that at the end of the show and all those, all those various um, things we do. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. That's Steve Carter, my good buddy, over at Intercap Lending and all the great work uh, Brock and the crew does, particularly around the holidays and other things. This, their organization is, is really terrific uh, as people. They've also just great at what they do, and that's what makes Intercap Lending special uh, and why it's so fun for us to be able to send you to Steve Carter. Steve is our own personal loan officer over at Intercap. Intercap's been a lending officer uh, in the business for over 40 years. And what they, um, hyper-responsive, get deals done. And their growth is simply, the way a lending company grows is they get they get deals done, right? Like that's, it works. That's, that's what makes people happy about working with you is that they, you get the deal done, get the loan done. Everyone's better for it. And so you get to be part of it. Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer. And you can, uh, all you have to do is email me actually at dlock0909. And I usually will then connect you to Steve Carter or you're welcome if you don't want to be a part of it. Call Steve at 385-885-28. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. When you do call Steve, um, make sure you tell him that you're with Locked On and that you uh, get the Locked On corporate discount. And then, uh, you know, please relay to us how it goes. The the reviews I get are, one of my favorite things is getting the reviews back from everyone on what it's like to work with Steve Carter and what an amazing experience um, they have. Today's show is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill just sent me a notification just moments ago uh, to let me know uh, that a, a, actually a deposit was made. I like those notifications much better than the other day. It notified me that there was a weird expenditure and we bought a bunch of gifts for people. And so there was like 23 straight uh, charges out of an Apple store and they quickly notified me. They thought something might be going a little crazy. They also do 
uh, pretty amazing work to make sure that you are aware of uh, what is going on with your uh, subscriptions. And that's where they've made their name because on average, they've saved people up to $720 a year. Companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts. Truebill will cancel all your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash NBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash NBA. All right. Um, let me take some of your questions. I think, I feel like that's the appropriate thing to do right now on the Ainge front um, is that that's really where, excuse me, um, people are. Um, so let me see what I can, I can get. Um, James Hale says, this is my first time watching this live. I used to listen at 1.5 speed. You sound so slow. That's the only time everyone said that to me. Um, do you think this prompts Justin Zanuck to seek an opportunity to be a guy with another team? No, I don't get that vibe. Um, certainly there is a decision maker in between him and Ryan Smith, which is new. Like that's factual. I think the way um, in the conversations that I had with Justin yesterday, I, I got the feeling that he saw it as a very collaborative thing and he saw somebody who could be a great asset. Um, and a little bit of what I just talked about, I felt like, Decisions are super hard. Even Doka Azabuke's option. That's that was a hard decision, I'll bet, for that front office. It, that was not clear to me of like whether that was the right move or not. Now he got injured since. So now there's you, but that's a great example of like, okay, well, the decision that this is where I think Ainge's track record is great. The decision that was made on that day, you thought it through, you made it through. That was right. It regardless of now the fact that he got hurt in his career it really feels like that's twice in two years, the same injury on a big body. That's scary is that doesn't change how you made that decision when that decision was right or wrong. Unless you go back through that analysis and you say, wow, we never really considered injury. Okay. Well then that was a mistake, but those little decisions are even crazy hard. Like Trent Forrest is on a two way. At some point he's not here. Like that's going to be a really tricky decision. These are hard decisions. Um, Most decisions are. And so to have someone else in the building, I thought the vibe I got from Justin. Now, does this prompt Justin to, I don't think it prompts him, but does this mean that if somebody else calls for Justin and has, then is there, you know, does he, maybe, you know, maybe. I think that's a fair, um, that's fair. Um, oh, this is a different question. Draymond versus Rudy defensive player of the year thoughts. Uh, okay, we all know I'm the biggest Rudy fan in the whole world, right? Right now it's Draymond. They're equally as dominant defensively as we are offensively. you got to give it to them. Uh, okay like but i also think you know with that type of dominance you can start talking about whether rudy's first team all league or second team all league which he's never been before and some things like that danny ainge is the dude can't wait to have him with the squad he does a good job measuring talent in the draft he's a good drafter well Jalen brown was a great draft jason tatum from markel fultz is an unbelievable draft and then he's no different than anyone else he's got a troy bell in there and he's got a Probably a few others that when you're drafting at 20, Delonte West probably wasn't a great pick. Al Jefferson probably was. Tony Allen was a great pick. Like there's, this is, you know, he's not, there's no one out there that's perfect. Rajon Rondo was an unbelievably great pick, an analytics-based pick that was, and that's actually what I kind of love about his draft history when I ran through it, was Rajon Rondo was a, was a very much, you have to understand the game. There were some analytics before the time that went into it that led people to believe that it was a, a great pick. and then. The next year, I think he took Gerald Green. Um, or the year before, maybe, he took Gerald Green, who was a pure athlete pick. 
like just a pure athlete pick. And I kind of love the fact that uh, there are a bunch of general managers league have like singular picks type players that you draft. Um, and they're all the same. Like there's one and he's great. I'm not, but like Musai Ujiri takes long athletes. There's, I think there's some funny note right now. There's two athletes, two players in the league. They're 6'10", 220. And they both play for the Raptors. Well, it's clearly like that's the kind of. And then I also think if you look at Danny Ainge's work in, in 2007 and eight when they win the title, his fringe work is incredible. Like his James Posey, his Eddie House, his around the fringes. I'm a big believer in around the fringes as what is the differentiation between what wins, you know, and then he traded for, I think he signed Rashid Wallace and maybe that was a trade deadline trade, but I think that was a free agent signing. So that, you know, that's pretty good. His drafting of Avery Bradley is, you know, I would say was another one that was very high on the analytics model. And yet I think, you know, there's some other picks. He also then was drafting at 25 and 21 and you just don't have a lot of success um, in those, in those realms. A lot of times you're trying to get some things that are, they're, they're a lot harder to do. So his, his track record's really, really strong. But I, what I love is I think there's a diversity um, in his track record. The, you know, the pick that's really, really good is Marcus Smart with the sixth pick of that 2014 draft and a draft that turned out to be a total bust. Um, all right, here's somebody who's worried because change is worried. Danny scares me. He somehow loves all the players on our team now. Moves are inevitable. Um, so the concern would be he's not connected to the team because he hasn't been with them every day. Now, he did reveal, I thought, interestingly in the press, he's watched every game this year. Okay, so he knew this was coming. We all knew this was coming. But that was a really revealing, okay, great, good. So he's connected. It's not like he just said, oh, last week. Like last week what he did is he got the itch and he got ready to come back. And he's, in the meantime, he was watching every single night. He loves the game. He's got his room. He's watching the game watching games every night and he watched every single jazz game. I thought that was an interesting little note that he dropped in there. So he's certainly aware of what's going on. The other thing I love, by the way, is that he's, I think this is just really healthy for him to be in and involved and see every day now how they all interact and what they are. Um, but I think this is, this is the essence of the most difficult thing of where our franchise is. You know, are we capable right now of winning a title? Are we really, really good enough as we are right now to win a title? Yes. Our percentage of winning that title is what? Somewhere between 10 and 14%? Like, is that kind of, do we, do we vibe on that? Like, we're right in that realm. Is there something that gets us from like right 12 to 17%? There's something that gets us to 19%. There's a chance you take us from 10 to 14% to 7% chance too, right? So that's the risk. And it's, and it's, it's really scary and things are good and there's a chance. Sometimes outside eyes, that's what John Krause talked about in our, our special. Outside eyes are pretty valuable right now. There's no change. There's no way that everyone in our front office isn't entirely connected to Boyan and Joe and Rudy and Donovan and love them to the end of the earth, the work these guys have put in. And so when there's a moment here where you've got to make a decision and you think it's going to push you from 11% to 50% to maybe just that little notch, maybe outside eyes makes you more willing to make that move or it makes you attack it a little bit more aggressively or a little differently than you would have otherwise. And maybe that's the piece that has to be here to win a championship. Who knows? Um, Scott asked the question, I wonder how Dwayne and Danny will get along. I think, I don't, like, on-court rivalries, off-court respect are two totally different things. Um, Charles says, stability of roster is what I'm worried about. Yeah, I mean, if you want the roster to just stay the same, 
And there's a pretty good argument that if he's going to come in here and has a trade deadline before the playoff run, he's probably going to want to make a little bit of a move to put a stamp on it. That, that seems reasonable. It's a reasonable thought. Is he going to make a move for the sake of making a move? I doubt it because look at his, what we talked about his track record and all the things he's done and all the moves he's made and how there's always a plan and like what, you know, and the fact of the matter is if there's a signature to his last step of moves is that he wouldn't, he didn't make the move. Like I kind of love that. The willingness to not make the move is equally as important as the willingness to make the move in this league. Thoughts on the recent Boston drama of Hayward, Kyrie, Isaiah, and Kemba. Um, so I think each of them is individual. Kyrie, like self-explanatory at this point, I think. Um, Isaiah Thomas was just really sad that he just gave everything, including his body, to the organization that cost him a huge amount of money. And Danny was probably being ruthless and right in that we're not just going to give you a, a contract for long-term because of your past performance. We're going to give it on your future performance. And that actually is the right thing to do. Um, Kemba, I think, just wore out. Um, right? I think, I mean, we're seeing it in New York. He's not playing much. It's not as though... And then Gordon wanted to be the man. Um, And, you know, Gordon was a really interesting case. I think Gordon signed with Boston with the vision that he was going to play opening night against Cleveland. And it was going to be Gordon Hayward, the Boston Celtics against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he was going to be an NBA headline. That was, that was his vision. That's why he went to Boston. Uh, Very comfortable with that. And then by the time he actually plays his first game, Kyrie's on the roster. And then by the end of his first game, he's out for the year. Now Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown develop, and now by the time Gordon's headline is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, the Boston Celtics take on LeBron and Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, he never got what he wanted there. And so I think when it got presented to him that he could be a headliner in in Charlotte, he took it. Now, ironically enough, now LaMelo's the headliner, and maybe Gordon's just not a headliner in that same way um, ever since he's left here and ever since the injury. But... That's it. I also think it's hard to tell on Gordon. He might have been the headliner. He was really good. He might have been the headliner without the injury. Right? Um, so I think that that's it. Boston, I mean, that's been a tumultuous run, right? Now Horford left. There definitely was some little pieces in there that got tumultuous. And, um, you know, maybe it's why Brad moved upstairs. You know, maybe Brad, who is one of the greatest tacticians in the game and game preparation guys, is not great at managing a locker room. I don't know that, but there, you could you could look from the outside and Say that maybe he's better at some of these other stuff. I, I'm not. I'm not convinced of that. I don't know. All right, uh, but that's that's an argument. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. You've been hearing me tell you about Prize Picks for months. The question is, have you signed up? Have you taken advantage? Prize Picks is the daily fantasy made easy. If you have not checked it out, you're missing out. Fun Christmas Day would be really fun with five different games going on. NBA DFS prop game on the market. Number one is Prize Picks. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. You can go all over the place if you want. You pick two to five players, over, under, projections, win, this, that, these, those, and you have a blast. So go download the award-winning app on the App Store or Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Use the promo code NBA. Go to prizepicks.com. And today's show is brought to you by Boost Mobile. Wow, it's loaded. You can listen to the podcast, The Power of Knowledge. And you can switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get power of a free 5G phone. Okay, I'm listening. You can listen to all these episodes on your free 5G phone, plus the power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month. 
for your family can harness all the brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at speed of 5G with all the money you'll save and all the knowledge you gain. How powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere. All phones and networks and boost mobile for details. All right, I do want to talk about last night, but I also want to um, take a few more of your questions. Transformation within the Jazz Org, really, do you like the culture shifts here in the first year under Ryan Smith, D. Wade, off the court, gay on the court, exciting time. Yeah, I mean, Ryan's putting a signature on it. It's worth, spend a few billion dollars, you get to do that. Like, it's great. I find Ryan fascinating, um, and I enjoy every minute I get with him, and I've been very fortunate to get a few and hopefully have a lot more. Like, I... He joined a media session at one point was talking and I just felt myself just zeroed in. Like I'm going to listen to everything um, that I can get from this guy and learn um, from him. Oh, this is an interesting question. Uh, just curious of the significance of the Laker photo behind me. So it is Kobe's last night and there's Ron and I. So, um, and there's Shaq. So, you know, I don't love the Lakers, as we all know, but um, that was a um, I don't love the Lakers, but that was a pretty incredible moment. Uh, Ron got that framed up. So it's a little bit as much as anything, me and Ron, um, memories of what I've gotten to do. And then actually I did a Sonics thing the other day. So this was given to me by my wife and um, kids um, right before I left for my first ever Sonics game, which was many years ago. And so that little boy is now in college and that little girl is now driving through snow in her Hyundai Santa Fe to get to work to get to school and finals every day. So, um, I had that up cause I did a Sonic interview the other day. I haven't taken it down, but it's good. All right. Uh, let's go to last night. Guys, something's happening here with, um, with Donovan Mitchell. He is the number one pick and roll guard in the NBA right now. He is getting better and better and better and better. And when you want to talk about championship hopes, I talked about it this whole week, actually, that like when the year started, we talked about the fact that this, that I thought our chance was the fact that we had two guys who were going to get better and they are getting better. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are both getting better, but Donovan is on a different level right now. The, when we played Atlanta on November like ninth or something like that, early in the year. And Trey Young was really good that night. And I said on the air, and I said to Ron, and I think I've even said here, I wish Donovan would add a little Trey Young. And Trey Young on that night got me. Like, I'm in. And the statistics had always shown me that Trey Young was doing something really, really special and his ability to pass inside lanes in places that other guys hadn't. And on that night, I watched Trey Young change a pace and hesitation and it burst and then stop, and then work sideways, and, and his wiggle, and it's incredible. And you watch a De'Aaron Fox, and he's just one speed the whole time, and it's really an irrelevant speed by the time you can play at that speed at all times. It becomes irrelevant. And Donovan, to me, was, if I had a pendulum, and Trey Young is here, and probably unfairly, I'm putting De'Aaron Fox here at the whole, the only other speed. That's probably not fair. De'Aaron has a little bit more to his game, but let's just do it for the sake of this conversation. So this is one... And this is Trey Young. It's kind of the Brandon Roy would be another good example of this kind of hesitation play. I had Donovan over here and Donovan in my mind, and maybe I over had done it, but he has swung himself and he's not quite to Trey Young because he doesn't go as slow, but he is playing 
with such patience and with such hesitation and change of pace and getting to where he wants. And he's slowing himself down, which allows him to make different reads and in more time and making better passes and finding guys more often. Like it was notorious how few lob passes he was ever throwing to Rudy or anyone else because he was going so fast and he's so small. He couldn't, he couldn't find him. Now there's two things are going on. He's understanding how much space he has as Rudy rolls to the rim and teams are taking that away and we're hugging three point shooters. He's got the world to work in. Got the whole playground in the middle of the court and he's playing in that whole playground and he's hesitating and he's playing with pace and he's slowing himself down and then he's bursting and he's scoring and his underhand scoop is open again. It was, it wasn't available for him for a little while because he wasn't playing with enough different speed. And so people were, were able to adapt to it. And what we're seeing in that evolution from him right now is really terrific. And it's bonafide superstar stuff. It's close to first team NBA stuff. I mean, it's hard to be first team NBA in this league. I got it, right? So you've got Jokic, who's first team NBA, and you've got Giannis, who's first team NBA, and you've got Durant, who's first team NBA. And you've, pro- and like, it's kind of like, you know, there's there's four or five guys that are busting this league every single night and what they're doing. And LeBron probably deserves to be in there. And so it's hard. You know, maybe it's second team all NBA, or maybe it's just all NBA. Like, that's a big enough deal. Um, and we're seeing him. He's the number one pick and roll point guard in the league right now. It, it changes who we are. Like he's needing the ball more and more and more in those pick and rolls. Like changes who Joe is a little bit. Like, again, we're just evolving. We're amoebaing here through this, but this is the evolution that's going to win you a championship. This, this type of play, this type of understanding, this type of, even if someone's switching one through five and now he's playing you one-on-one with a slower approach to things. Um, and what was so fascinating after the game last night is he made the comment that he was under the weather. And so the fact was that by being under the weather, he had to go back to being the on the floor point guard. He was against the Clippers in last year's playoffs. And I asked him what he preferred. And he said, probably somewhere in between, which is a really good answer Um, or where he's at his best. And, or, you know, where, um, and that, I thought that was just an incredibly good answer. He's such a delightful young man. I just enjoy him. I could spend, Worlds of time with Donovan talking about real world things. He's just so interesting. Um, all right. I want to touch on one other thing. Definitely jamming this all in. So if you want, we'll get more in depth tomorrow. Um, we always go through our quarter by quarter. I thought this was really interesting last night and a little bit of the quarter by quarter. I'm going to do traditional stats. So in the first quarter last night, and the, we talked about this a little bit on postcast, but um, Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside go seven for seven and score 15 points. And the Jazz only get seven of 23 shots as threes because they're taking that away. So in the second quarter, suddenly Gobert only gets one shot and Whiteside only gets no shots. So they take that away. So the Jazz take 15 of 23 shots as threes. Like, oh, okay. So if you want to do that and you're going to take away the roller and help out with that, then we're going to shoot threes. So in the third quarter, the Clippers come out and they say, we're going to take away the rollers again, but we can't let them have these threes. So the Jazz only gets six threes. So Donovan goes five for five from the field. Royce goes one for one. Mike Conley goes three for six. And Boyan goes one for three. And Boyan won. Really, the story is there. Donovan and Mike go eight for 11. And of their eight for 11, they are six of those nine or six of those eight are in two-point range. Because they've now hugged the three-point shooters and stuck to the rollers. And we have the next answer. We just continually have the answer every single time. And then in the fourth quarter, you kind of have broken them. Now, all of a sudden, Rudy Gobert is on Whiteside, takes seven shots. Donovan adds another two, and we take nine of 22 shots as threes, and we start to get some in transition. What's incredible about this 
is no matter which one you threw at us, we were pretty good at all of them. So the offensive rating in the first quarter was a 152, which is stupid, like just stupid. Um, the offensive rating in the second quarter was a 115.4, which is not great for us, except for the fact that it would be the number one offense in the NBA if we did it for an entire year. The third quarter, which would then suddenly was a 112.0. So they, you know, the answer is you cannot let Rudy and Hassan Whiteside dunk every time. That first answer was not. These two are better. And then the fourth quarter, we break them and we drop a, one, a 115. And for the night, we weren't overwhelmingly great. We finished the night with a 122.8 offensive rating, um, which is amazing and dominant. And really, in the second half, the Clippers did a much better job defensively on us. And our number was a 113.5, which is five points above league average on the second best defense in the league. It's incredible. All right. A lot of stuff there. Hope you embraced it all. Thank you for tuning in. Great questions in the chat room. I apologize. I had to turn the chat room off at one point because I didn't think we'd get there. Huge numbers. Actually, biggest live audience show we've had all year. So thank you very much. I just looked at the numbers. Wow. That's cool. That fires me up. So thanks very much for tuning in. Um, You guys are the best. And uh, sorry we went long today. I know many of you kind of live your life for our 30-minute shows. We went a little long today. I'll try not to do that. Tomorrow we'll be back. We'll talk more about it. Maybe we can analyze a little bit more of Angel's draft picks and trades and get into that. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Jazz getting ready for the Spurs and the Wizards this weekend. Hope you have tickets. It should be fun. Talk to you soon.